Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. I'm back, and we're live in three, two... One. Who is that on the board over there? Jason Cleveland. Back in the house. There he is. Yeah. Was Richie on hiatus? Richie has left us in a lurch. Uh, A lot of this stuff isn't plugged in. Took all the wires and went deer hunting, huh? I don't know what's going on with Richie. Mm. I, I I just don't. But uh, but Jason, it's good to see you. Good to have you back, back, Cleve. The OG. Good beer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and his son Christian is. Well, he's stateside now, but he's the Cleve. Uh, he'll yeah. be back in in the Starkville West Point area tomorrow. We're excited. We need to go coon hunting with him. We do. Night. Yep. Maybe the we can do that in original, February. Yeah, I tell you what. Man. I tell you what. He's ready for that. I bet he is for Let's coon hunting. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, that would be fun in February. Yeah. So welcome everybody, West Point, Mississippi, home go. of the Gamekeeper Studio. We are so excited. Uh, gosh. It's deer a, season. It's a lot going on. It's deer season. It is. And uh, so rifle season comes in Saturday mm-hmm. in, in several states. It's already in in some places. I'm seeing a lot of social media is full of people killing yeah. nice deer. Yeah, rut's going on in some places. Kentucky, just winding down up there from what Bronson was saying. Yeah, we're looking. We're, we're, uh, we're, Bronson is sitting there in his bottomland shirt. And his, good. He's his shaved. bottomland MSU deer lab shirt. He's, he he looks so studious. Yeah, he's a <laughs> smart-looking so guy. Smart. That's for yeah. sure. He, he, he really is. Yeah. Even in camo, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute now. Yeah, we always wear you camo. Know. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but Bronson is here. We're going to talk about uh, hitting the horns yeah, for Bronson. Hit and talk about abnormalities in deer. We got a lot of questions, and you've yeah. got answers. I hope always. And uh, it depends. We're, it depends. It depends. <laughs> yeah, we're proud to have you, Bronson. Thank so, you, sir. Yeah, always. I rut's a month out. At least. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of jealous. You see these people like uh, my buddy Eric uh, in Missouri, uh, North Delta Outfitters. He's been deer hunting all year. Now he's hunting the rut. And then duck season's about to open right when the rut ends. Yeah. It's just not fair. You know, our rut's right in the middle of Christmas and duck season. It's my, f- I love when our rut hits. Yeah. During the holidays. Really? Yeah, you know, those Christmas holidays. But I you know. have to choose, am I going to go duck hunting? Am I going deer hunting? Am I going to hang out with my family? Well, you go hunting yeah. with your family. Well, you, I mean, that's you what you cu- do. You get a couple of deer killed yeah. and then you go duck hunting in the morning. Yeah. yeah. You just do it all, don't yeah. Well, I get it. And but, it I mean, it, it so would be nice cool. to have a bunch of swollen neck bucks running around all November. Get your rut hunting out of the way, 
then you can focus on duck season and, and Christmas and family. So, but that's not the way it is. No, so we're life in move on. life in fair, Dudley. <laughs> a fair is someplace where you take a pig and win a prize. <laughs> yeah, but we okay. can go down south, Dudley. We can hunt the rut in January in there Mississippi, southern half of the state. So, Let's hunt. yeah, make a three-hour drive it, every afternoon. post duck season. Yeah, so you can just postpone <laughs> deer hunting until after yeah. duck season. Okay. Easy enough. So speaking of bow hunting, have you guys seen this new Matthews lift in Bottomland? I bottom am land? so pumped about this. I haven't been fired up about. You haven't wanted a bow in a lot, a long time. I and mean, I built two bow targets back here this week just because of this Matthews thing, one hundred percent. So, Bronson, have you heard about this? I have heard about it, and I wanted to thank you. I was told you were going to give me one for a test drive. There we go. <laughs> Get him on the list. We wish we should. Everybody wants one of these things. I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy one. There's no question about it. I mean, it's, it is, it's, you know, it's been coming for 30 years. I mean, we, we planted our flag and bow hunting and turkey hunting a long time ago. And, and Matthews uh, is, is one of the leaders in the archery business. I'm just excited about it. You know, our friend Kenny Thompson has a bow store called Top Flight in Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah. And I, he's one of the top Matthews dealers in the country. In the country. He's been texting me for two weeks and I, I finally just had to, what do you do when you block block somebody? Because oh, yeah. he's texting me so much about how he's so excited about this bow. It's you know the best bow ever made and the best camo. Yeah, ever it's made. bottom line, and there's some new innovation, and in I believe the cams and stuff like that. And well, something about it retains more in, the arrow. It, it retains more downrange energy, and I don't know how we're going to have somebody explain all this. But 100%. suffice it to say, you guys go check out Matt the new Matthew. Yeah, it seems like line. they've. The bow manufacturers have, have picked all the low-hanging fruit over the years, and the way they put that, the the vibration dampeners, it's it now has four limbs instead of two. Yeah, split limbs. And and uh, there's vibration dampeners between each pair of limbs. Hmm. Nobody's done that. So. How about that? I'm pumped. So get ready. Bronson, I don't have you a bow, so I, I hope you're not going to be mm. too disappointed. But we'll introduce you to somebody <laughs> right. that can, might, can let help down. you. Hmm. <laughs> ne- next time. Yeah. Next yeah. time. We yeah. might. Uh, Lanny, I hope I get to see you in one soon because you have been talking about this bow for a long time. I'm going to order one, so just get ready. Yeah. Do you think they'll make one with long enough draw I'm gonna for you? I'm going to get the biggest one they got. Lanny. <laughs> what are you, a 33-inch draw? Yeah, whatever it is, wide open is what it is. Uh, tell us about your targets. Uh, I think, you know, some of our listeners are familiar with what you did, uh, yeah. but it's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate that. Well, uh, growing up, actually, uh, one of my best friends uh, was named Brian Franks, and we grew up shooting uh, archer, shooting bows every day. His dad was a, uh, a big archer guy, Joe Franks, uh, and uh, – Back then, we used what we called them. Uh, we called them butt targets, cardboard butt targets. So we would save. Uh, he actually worked at a food vending place, and we would save cardboard so the master packs that stuff would come in. And then once we got a big stack of the same size of cardboard, then we would compress those with threaded rods between two by fours, uh, and it makes an unbelievable archery target. I mean, you can shoot it and shoot it and shoot it for years. It, you can't shoot broadheads in it; is the only thing. Oh, you can shoot them in. I it. mean, you can shoot them. <laughs> But you're gonna have to unscrew your your insert and, and pull your air out. I of mean, there. they're far from portable. I yeah. mean, they're a little portable, but not the kind you throw in the back of no, the truck and take to the hunting camp. But it's your good permanent for your you know yeah. like, like we shoot behind the office behind the officer in your backyard. It's got a little tin shed over it, and it's uh, just a lot of fun. Mainly you know for the kids. 
It's big too, so it's six foot tall, about four feet wide. So even Bobby can shoot. Yeah, so you can even hit it, Bobby. You know what? Y'all give me some grief. Look who brought up the meat a week ago. That's right. Oh, Robin Hood over there. Bronson, do you remember that big? I've sent you two hundred and twenty-two pounds. Look, the reason that deer died is because Bronson kept saying you just need to get. Because I, I wasn't He's eating like, all his feed. It, I mean, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't his antlers, but Bronson kept saying, you need to get that deer out of there because he's holding a spot that another deer could move in there and, or something like that. What you're it, it, eating a ton of food a year. Yeah. How many pounds Over of sausage a ton of food. you on that thing? Yeah, he definitely ate a ton. You know, normally when I take a deer to the processors, you get one bag. Yeah. I got two bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, we, he, 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 I, how he, close was the shot? 22 yards. Nice. Sure was. It was very exciting. Mm-hmm. I've relived it in my mind a thousand times. I'm proud of you, Bobby. Yeah, it was a lot. Almost rabbit out of head all the time. Yeah, and and you're right. There's That's a lot of snack spe- sticks. Something special about drawing back and just it's just a oh, really it's, good feeling. It's exhilarating. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Okay, y'all go check out the Matthews uh, in Bottomland. Bottom the light is that what it's called? Lift. lift. My bad. Lift. So it's called the lift. It's called the lift. Man, in yeah. Bottomland. I think it's to something that. to do with it being so light that it's easier to lift or oh. something like that. But mm. it's, they shaved lots of weight, weight off, off of, of this model. Yep. Yeah, so super excited about that. All right, so let's move blood on the biologic. There's a lot of youngins killing big deer, too. Yes, sir. And uh, look, uh, I started off with uh, Max Rustin. Lives right here in West Point. His dad used to work for Biologic. Hey, Jason. Max, uh, he is a killer. He yeah. he killed a buck last week, so congrats to him. And uh, our friend Tuck from right here in West Point, Elena and Dr. Jacob's son. He he went out to Kansas and shot a big old big old mule deer. Yeah, Tuck Troll. Yeah, that, that, that's that's his first deer. That's goes pretty to cool. Can- a big mule deer. That's pretty awesome. How cool really is that? Is. Yeah. Have y'all seen the deer that came from Hancock County? Oh my yes. goodness! This young girl, I think she's eight years old, Sailor Stiglet, a hundred and fifty-seven inch eight point in Hancock County. It's a unbelievable deer. Well, tell people that aren't from here where what why is it's that a coastal so, county? Yeah, uh, it really is. So it'd be, I guess it'd be coastal plains. What is it? Bay St. Louis? Is that right? Gulfport, all Gulfport, of that. Waveland. Yeah, Waveland. It's a great story, <laughs> and I'll go ahead and tell you. I spoke with her dad today. They're going to be on what? Uh, we got re- them lined up. We're going to record with them for a bonus podcast. We're going to record Monday and get to the story get the from story him and get her to tell the story. Well, I, it's, I, I think several people said it's a monster deer. It's kind of uh, abnormal from there. Bronson, you can help us understand. That. I don't mm-hmm. know if it just got that old, or I mean, he was just the Michael Jordan of Hancock County. I don't know, but he's a giant. And the the Magnolia records, I, I hadn't looked at them in a while, but you know, the the state keeps up with the list. You know, when you submit a deer and it gets scored, I want to say those two coastal counties. I, I don't know if a one fifty's ever been recorded or maybe just like one well let me tell you there's there's 150s and there's eight points that are 150s and i mean this thing's got 24 inch main beams i believe you know it's it's huge it really is so i'm excited to have her on the podcast yeah can you imagine that being your first deer no Ooh, that's bad yeah Yeah. (laughs) in terms of expectations that's gonna be hard to top yeah i mean a 157 inch eight point from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I mean, how would you compare that to like a Midwestern deer? I mean, that would be two thirties, maybe. Oh, I would think the so. rarity. Well, I, I you know I took a picture of it and of course sent it to my buddies and told them I killed it in my place. 
Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, you sent that to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but the truth is, it would be more common for it to came, come from here than it did from from down there. Yeah, so, for sure. It's pretty exciting. So, congratulations to them. I think a lot of people are aware of that deer, but uh, so hopefully we'll hear the story. When you hear the story. Yeah, cool. I, I got one more a friend of mine from Montgomery. Uh, Brett Sykes has a son. Uh, named Hank, Hank. That, that look, I think it's an eight point mm-hmm. uh, in youth season last week he killed nice. that so he's real excited and the, just uh, you know when I saw Hank with that deer big smile and uh, I think his brothers had killed some deer so he wanted to get in on the action but it also makes me think about Hank Williams Jr. we still have not heard from has him has he not called you back yet? <laughs> no <laughs> God, look if, if anybody knows him you're going to have to write him a letter I don't know if, if I knew where to mail it, but, you know, he'd be the great get Bronson. We want to talk to him about hunting, not about music or anything. Mm-hmm. No, of course. And, oh, uh, yeah. I'd love blast. to hear some hunting stories from him. So. I, he would have a bunch. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. Maybe he'll call you one day. I hope so. It's uh, <laughs> probably going to wake up one day and he'll be on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> That'll hurt my feelings. So. All right. So, um, Bronson, yes, we you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, and you were like, "Man, we've got to talk about abnormalities that pe- people mm-hmm. get confused when they get to the skin and shed and see something really." I mean, I mean, look at Dudley; he's Good kind of abnormal a little bit. But then, once we kind of understand what's going on with Dudley, we overlook it. So I'm the new normal, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, what are some of the things that you hear about that, that people ask questions and are confused about? Well, here's how it typically starts is we have the i mean and people are running cameras 365 days now but there's without a doubt there are more people are putting out cameras when we get close to deer season sure you know uh, bucks are out of velvet we're trying to pattern them see what bucks are on the property etc so typically it starts with photos and and those photos are going to be what is you know what's wrong with my deer i see something and those kind of fall into two categories. It's, uh, we kind of call them warts, the deer warts, mm-hmm. but it's a, a, a fibroma. And uh, that's the one I think that people kind of find it most alarming. It can be, it can be very, very simple. And it's a wart. It's caused by a virus. Uh, some of them will regress over time. But that that's really a good uh, kind of social media photo, and we put one on our social media page uh, a year ago. Uh, some deer have the unfortunate consequence of having them all over their body. And so they'll typically be dark and they're hairless, and most often it'll just be one. And it'll be on the neck or on the face and n- no big deal. But then you'll have some to wear literally all of its neck or all of its shoulder, half of its body. And people conclude that, does my deer have cancer? And something like that can certainly happen, but it's really, it's just a wart. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of gross. It, it, it's unsightly and it's worrisome. And uh, rarely is it ever a source of mortality. So the wart is never going to kill the deer. The only instances are when it gets really really bad that it can impede the vision uh, of the de- so it's like secondarily right. it's got them on its face and so it can't acquire food efficiently mm-hmm. or it can't see predisposes it to mortality but it, it doesn't hurt the deer and most importantly if if you want to do it i understand some people get squeamish of this but put some gloves on but when you skin the deer you will notice that 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 wart that fibroma is attached to the skin. 
It's not growing in like some tumor attached to the meat. So there's zero concern for the venison. I've, I've so killed you deer think, with warts on them. I'm sure you have. Yeah. And I think we all mm-hmm. have. You think yeah. you could slice a few of them real thin and batter them up and oh, fry them? Come on. The abnormal. Oh, yeah. right, right there. There it is. <laughs> yeah. That got him right there. See, Bronson didn't even have a funny face. He yeah. thinks that we could. that could be Put done. a little Tony Sasheries on yeah. it and fry it up. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to pass. I'm going to go for them loins. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can have all the warts you can be Yeah, want, you take the warts. So, yeah. uh, so that is a common one. You, you mm-hmm. see that. I mean, y'all that's seen the, that that's too, that's, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. How'd you, cuteness? Cutaneous. Cutaneous, just meaning skin. Cutaneous. Fibroma. Fibroma. Mm-hmm. I'm learning today. I like yeah. it. Um, so, but what, you mentioned cancer. Have you ever, have you ever gutted a deer, field dressed a deer and. Knew it had cancer. Knew it had cancer. Uh, I have not. Um, I've, I've heard of that, just like with the dogs, when you're working with the vet, you know, they, they can have it. And I've heard people talk about it, but Bobby, I've never, I've never seen it. There's a, there's another, uh, internal parasite called a liver fluke. And on a deer I have harvested, I've never seen that, but that is one of those things where, and if people want to use Google here, you can get some images online. Mm. But when you pull the liver out, you know, you're used, used to seeing that it's smooth, that dark red or maroon yeah. color, and it'll be all these cysts that are on it, you know. And um, and when you uh, cut one of those open, um, a big old worm, a flat worm will come out that's about the size of your thumb. And, and it's one of those, again, it's going to give you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I'm that looking here's at one. This, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're looking at one, Yeah. And some unfortunate deer, you know, if it's just one, it, it's no big deer, but it's probably going to give you pause. You're probably going to think, I don't, I don't know if I've, I've got some big old worm living in my deer. I don't know if the meat's going to be okay, but it is. It's just fine. And most deer have no problem with them at all. But when it makes social media or makes the internet, it's one of these rare cases that's absolutely grotesque, admittedly, mm-hmm. when it'll have 20 or 30 of them. And so that nice, smooth uh, liver is just real, all these little cysts and little bulbous pockets and all that in it. It looks gross, but it's just, it's a normal parasite of deer. So Mm. being a biologist, would you, before that deer was gutted, would you be able to look at it and go, that that deer's probably got liver flukes? Probably not. Um, You know, there could be some severe case where it was compromising liver function. And I'm speculating here. I I didn't learn this. I'm speculating. Maybe compromising liver function and therefore affecting its physiology and maybe have some weight loss. But I've never been with any other deer expert that looked at a deer on the hoof alive and said, I bet it has liver flukes. No, it's never, Hmm. never been the case. It's just a parasite that they pick up. You know, I'm sure it's right. passed around with eggs or larvae or something like that. That's part of being a deer. Yeah, part of being yeah. a deer. Mm-hmm. I believe Bobby might have a liver flu. Looking I, at I, it, I, like, I the tail over. <laughs> the could. other big one preseason is one. The, um, so there can be some concern here, uh, but the one that we get uh, most of all in the fall are people confusing the transition of summer coat to winter coat. Uh, without fail what's wrong with my deer it's losing all its hair why is its hair so patchy mm -hmm. and it's just the normal pellage replacement that's going on and some of it do it a lot more uniformly 
and it's, it's really hard to perceive. And some of them, it'll be very patchy. Mm-hmm. And so people think there's a problem and people will automatically conclude. And I get it that d- does my deer have the mange? And the one thing when they do have the mange, it's it's pretty apparent if you can get a close-up look because it's not just an absence of hair. There are infections. Yeah. The, the skin looks really, really rough. And if you were to get a microscope or a magnifying glass, is that all of the hair follicles, where the, the follicle is and the hair was, is going to have a mite down in there burrowed down in there okay. causing a little infection so that's for that really rough scaly looking skin infection and it's housing mites and it does it I, looks bad but they live through it kind of like the chubacabra coyotes yeah that's my mangy well. chubacabra well, right when we were young i mean it was a very common thing for dogs to get the mange mm-hmm. uh, is it the same thing just on the deer, um, I, I, it's probably a different kind of mite, yeah, but generally the same mm-hmm. thing, yeah. Yeah, I'd never had a dog get the mange, mm-hmm. yeah. You didn't live far enough out in the country, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Our dogs were a little, yeah, yeah and then they ever, would dip them in burnt motor oil, burnt motor oil with seven dust in yeah. it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it would stick. Was that what yeah, the motor oil? Yeah, I, I don't know what it did, but they didn't have the mange anymore. <laughs> I was really young. still might kill the dog, yeah, but it didn't yeah, have mange. We were really young, I've, yeah. And I've seven dust, too. everything got seven dust back yeah. then. Yeah, I think I've even been seven dust. I know a I have. Times. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's another one, Bobby. It, it, it first of all, it, it's very, very rare for a deer to have the mange, but it happens. I'm sure right now in Mississippi, there's a deer with the mange, with but them. it's really, really rare. And then when you see it or someone captures a photo of it, it gets circulated and you kind of think it's more prevalent than, than it really is, but it's of no population concern whatsoever. It's an unfortunate individual and they're probably going to live through it. So not so, a big deal. I was I was about to ask, should we try to take that animal out if we saw one like that? Is it I mean, if Lanny, if you had your new lift and yeah. it's twenty yards away and you got a good shot, why not? Let it do it, eh? Hey? Yeah. Let the air out of her. But I wouldn't worry over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, Dudley from Gamekeepers here. I want to tell you about the all new Gunner Dog Bowl. It's designed for home and built for travel. It's customizable, leak-resistant, light on weight, solid on durability, and rust-proof. Like other Gunner products, they're made in Nashville and designed for everywhere. Hmm. Well, so I've been seeing a deer recently that looks like it's got a a, a molar that is, I mean, the side of her jaw is just swollen up like... Something is going on there, and I can see so many ribs. Mm-hmm. She looks like she can't eat as well as as my thought. Yeah, what do you think could be going on there? the The most probable thing going on. So, I mean, there's always some chances something different. She broke her jaw or something, but that's probably not the case. Most likely, um, some people will call it lumpy jaw, but basically, and th- this is what is really interesting about it is the lump that you're seeing is a food compaction. So it's almost like a deer with a a cud, big old chew a red man or something in its mouth. And you can literally see it uh, from the stand externally. Don't even need your binoculars often. You can see it on trail cam photos. Deer turns around and, you know, it's got this big mass on on the side of its jaw. And so that is is food. And the, the reason that it's collecting right there is because of a parasite 
that's called arterial worms. Hmm. And those arterial worms, a roundworm, they collect part of their life cycle is they lodge in the carotid arteries right here. As such, if enough of them accumulate, it reduces and restricts blood flow to the jaw area. Because of that, it causes a paralysis. And so the deer can't normally move its tongue, move its jaw, muscles around to clear it out. And so that stuff just resides there. It can't do anything about it. And if it happens long enough, the deer is going to get tooth decay, lose its teeth. It could erode the jawbone and all that sort of stuff. I saw one, Bobby, very similar to what you're describing. Um, I'll try not to turn this into too long of a story. It's about two years ago, and I was looking at what I thought was this doe, and uh, it came a little closer. I'm like, "Oh, that's a that's a uh, that's a little buttonhead, you know, that's a little buck fawn." And um, but then it even got closer to me, and I'm like, "That is a tiny little spike." And so it was a yearling buck, even though it was about the size of what I thought was a buck fawn. And when he turned his head, the poor rascal had a big old food impaction from arterial worms. And so it was affecting him physiologically. Simultaneously, a few minutes later, a a healthy yearling buck walked out right beside him and was about 30% larger. And so in that case, that really sensitive part of his growth, he was not getting enough food. You know, that was affecting him and and causing his body size to, to be a lot smaller. But But it's it's another one of those things that's really, really common. It's not a population concern at all. It's just another one of those that happens to some individuals. It's probably not going to kill them, but it really, really stinks while they're while they're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Would you take him out if you had a lift and he was at 20 yards? Yeah. yeah no. Would you eat him? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just asking. So Dudley's here's where you talk about opening up the carotid artery and getting the roundworm out and mm. putting them in a little black batter and uh, peanut oil. No, yeah, I don't know about that. That sounds pretty That's gross. Andrew right Zimmerman there. stuff. You're crazy. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a fibroma's okay, but not yeah. a roundworm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so far, every nothing is uh, beside from making it sounded kind of gross. Nothing has prevented you from eating an animal. Yeah, that that's right. And uh, I think the grossest, I, I guess grossest, yeah. find everybody d- different ways. I, I think the one that gives people maybe the most shock is that you shoot a deer, everything looks completely normal because it, for the most part, is normal. And then you go get to the skinning shed and you hang it up and you're hanging it up upside down, you know, back legs up, nose down. And all of a sudden, these things, these grubs, these worms start coming out of the deer's nose and hitting the, the concrete or the ground. <laughs> and so you immediately, you know, man, this thing internally, it's got maggots. That's what a lot of people think. I got these big old maggots mm-hmm. in my deer, so there's something's going on. It's mm-hmm. rotten on the inside. And uh, that, again, is a completely normal life cycle of a bot fly that affects a deer. Nasal bots. A nasal bot, yeah. And if you want to see some of that in action, uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, a couple years ago, I was uh, working on a deer and I was getting the CWD sample out of it. And so I was very close to the nasal cavity and I looked in there 
and they're alive. I mean, even though that deer is dead, when you get access to that nasal cavity, all those little grub, they're moving, Mm -hmm. they're moving. And so, of course, I'm a biologist, so I had my my gloves on, and I reached in there with my finger and started pulling them out. (laughs) It's about a handful of those are are in both those big, large nasal cavities. They look like they make really good fish bait. We tried it. Me and Craig Harper. Y'all put one on a hook and tried to catch a a bluegill or something? Yes, yes. Tried to catch a bluegill, but I'm not going to blame it on the nasal bite. I think it was timing because it was cold. Yeah, Yeah, and I just don't think the bluegill was Somebody, Somebody do that and send us a photo. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't video. think I've, I'm, as many deer as I've dressed, I don't think I've ever had a. Because you, you clean them so one. fast, Lanny. Yeah, I do clean them fast. Yeah, at, at Portland Landing. I, I you saw, remember seeing saw one? one? Yeah. Yeah. Sure did. Hmm. We went through a lot of deer down there. I was grossed I mean, out by it, too. I, would, is, I mean, I think it happens almost more often than not. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't bet you a million dollars. I'm sure they, they had them. I just didn't see them. That, that's, that's right. Yeah it, ju- yeah. it just wasn't, uh, the deer wasn't hanging long enough, probably, mm. where one wiggled out its nose. Well, now, yeah, I, now we, we run them through pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't there instances where you see a deer just like shaking its head, just like it, something's going wrong with its nose? It's got a giant. Yeah. Booger yeah. in there. I mean, they can't pick their nose like you do, Bobby. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just on a roll today. You I'm are. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'll it calm the, down. It was that wild boar tasso jambalaya. Maybe so. Lunch, yeah. All right. I'm going to quit being mean. Yeah. That's, all right. But you will see him like, uh, of course, it's not like a sneeze, but you'll see him kind of exhaling, you know, through their nose a lot. And that that may be what they're doing. It may be irritated. The the bots may be wiggling around inside of them. Um, you will also notice, uh, and I've seen this one time, and I can't promise you this is what happened, but um, we think that deer know the fly that is the bot fly. Huh. And so how the life cycle happens is during the springtime or summertime, the bot fly has to land and lay its egg on the nose of the deer. And so one time I was doing a spring uh, health collection, herd health check, and I was watching this doe in a food plot. I didn't know what was going on at first, but I mean, literally, you know, just jumping and bounding and flipping and all that. It would stop for a minute and and hold her nose up in the air. and, And evidently, you know, I think it was a bot fly trying to land on her nose. I've never seen a deer she wasn't behave having like that. she was not having it at all. <laughs> yeah. So that it, isn't that how EHD is is transferred by a bot fly? Is midges, a different kind of midge, midge. not a bot. gnat, a gnat or a midge, a good gnat. Yeah, yeah. Oh. a good gnat. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, good. I was confused about that. That's interesting about the the bot. So it, it's a specific fly. It is. What does it look like? Um, kind of like a house fly? It's kind of like a, if I remember correctly, a large house fly. It's mainly very dark black, but I think there's a little on its abdomen, a little yellow, maybe a yellow stripe or something like that. Anything but, we could do as gamekeepers to try to cut down on the number of bot flies that are around? I don't know if this is the answer, but it's probably a good one because it works for everything else. Probably prescribed fire. Hey, how about that? <laughs> Look at there. <laughs> oh, mosquito dunks. 
You just put them everywhere? No, I'm kidding. Did these I, I mean, yeah, they, I don't know, Bobby. They, they, they've had bot flies for hundreds of thousands of years, and they, they do just fine they, with them. I'm live sure right through it. Not just specific to deer. They're getting horses and cattle and other stuff. That's too. right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Other flies like that, that have evolved for a lot of different species, and so it's really, really common. Man, thank goodness. We don't have those. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, don't I'm fall fighting. asleep when you're turkey hunting. Yeah. At the old, I think we do have them, just not in the U.S. Hmm. I think Ugh. other countries. And then they've got those flies that'll have their stage under your skin. You know, yeah. like if you're on a Amazonian fishing mm. trip yeah. or something mm. like that. Mm. Yeah. No, there's that one that goes up your urethra. Oh yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Wait, isn't that, is that a there? fish? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it does like that? if you were in the water swimming or something, you mm-hmm. could potentially get this little a worm. Fly? No, it's a worm that um, travels mm-hmm. up your urethra. I think Austin had that one time from checking duck holes, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I got a real small urethra. I don't need anything like that. Uh, Are you ta- uh, guinea worms, Dudley? Is that what you were thinking of? I the guinea know. worms, you know, and, and, and it comes out. I mean, it's like a couple feet long, I oh, think, and goodness. it comes out through your feet and... Honey. Big efforts to arrive. No, that is not what I've heard <laughs> of. Okay. I was thinking of one that just kind of burrows under your skin and, you know, and then it gets all swollen, almost like a tick bite. Okay. But then, uh, you know, you, you can get it out and it's an actual larvae. Yeah, you know? there's a girl I follow on uh you don't look at me like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> we know. We follow a lot of girls. She's a fisherman. Okay. She's a fisherwoman. Oh, okay. And yeah, she sure. was in Brazil or something, South America, and something bit her on the top of her head. And then when she got home, she was complaining about her head hurting and went to the doctor, and he cut out a little, some kind of larva Ugh. out of the top of her head. Oh. Mm. Well, right. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, what's next? Well, Laney brought up, I guess that's a good segue. He oh. brought up uh, the, the midges yeah. um, or, or the, the gnats, uh, and they're uh, of the genus Culicoides, mm. um, but EHD. And so we're all familiar with that hemorrhagic disease, the blue tongue viruses. I think we did a podcast on that yeah, several months ago. Um, but one of the, the telltale signs of that is, and if you're like in Mississippi or other other places, uh, and part of a deer management program through your state wildlife agency, a lot of times on the data sheet, they'll have a little box for hoof sloughing, yes or no. And hoof sloughing is just an indicator that the deer had HD and lived through it. And so as we talked about in the past, it's just, it's, it's a virus. Uh, it kills some deer, not hardly as many in the south yeah very very few in the south when it hits the midwest it's a really really big population level problem but in the south not as big of a deal because they're confronted with that virus all the time antibodies and so forth they just adapted to not a big population level problem for them but um so they they live through it but while they're dealing with that virus it interrupts the growth in their hooves Kind of like when humans, when we can get really sick, it'll show, it can show a line on oh, your yeah. fingernails where yeah. it stopped mm-hmm. growth. And so that little line is just uh, indicating that it had EHD and it lived through it. But that's the way the your state wildlife agency can monitor how many prevalence rate in a year and so forth. Just a, a good way to keep track of that. Your daughter's been begging you to hunt since her little brother shot the big eight last year. You've ran a fire, dissed the fields, got stuck, got unstuck. 
planted food plots, fertilized, and prayed for rain. He moved trees, limbed roads, even bought one of those fancy cell cameras. So what's your excuse? LS Tractor. Moultrie was first in feeders since 1979 and is the leader in total game management. They're taking feeding to another level with the new Ranch Series line of durable and versatile feeders perfect for both wildlife and domestic livestock. So Dudley, you can feed your goats. Whether you're a deer hunter, a hobby farmer, a land manager, or a rancher, Moultrie has you covered with several kit options including a rotating auger, broadcast, or a gravity kit. And these feeders are 300 or 450 pounds. They're big feeders. All right, so guys, Moultrie is offering our listeners a 15% site-wide discount at MoultriefEaters.com. Use code MOSSYOAK with a capital M, MOSSYOAK, at MoultriefEaters.com and get that 15% discount. It seems like in the South, growing up deer hunting down here, I've, I've seen that a lot in, mm-hmm. in my whole life, but it seems like EHD has just, in the last 15 years, come on in the Midwest is that just because of observation we didn't know it or was it always up there or did it move up there? Um, I, I think, I think it's been up there, uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but I think different strains of it. Uh, and so, you know, it's a virus evolving just yeah, like COVID every year. Yeah. yeah. And so a, a strain will get up there and there's even some linkages to weather events uh, that can be pushing the, the gnats up or a greater proportion of them. And and it's just simply that they don't have the fawn the doe to fawn antibodies because when when you have a couple generations of deer when you go five to ten years mm-hmm. and no individual has confronted the virus they don't have the antibodies right, to it right and so it's a, a larger mortality so it's possible event. that they could get more resistant to it over time yeah if you confronted them with the virus every mm-hmm. year every yeah. other year yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And social media is probably making it more. Yeah. I mean, information, you know, everybody knows about (laughs) everything now. Well, right. Or at least what everybody pretends it is. So, (laughs) yeah. It's sad to see. We need to introduce some Mississippi deer to the Midwest. Yeah. We'll drop Mm -hmm. one off. I think that might be illegal, but (laughs) it would be. Yeah. Yeah. We'll use your truck, Dudley. We'll use your truck. But it is sad to see these, uh, I mean, our friends of ours that uh, have work to manage their properties. Oh, yeah. It's just, just. and then it seems like the, the biggest deer they have are the ones that, that they end up finding. Yeah. Hmm. It's terrible. There's no question about it. Uh, years ago, um, when Harry Jacobson was here uh, in the deer pens, he was cooperating with uh, the Michigan State Wildlife Agency, and they had some Mississippi deer up there and some Michigan deer down here. Well, it happened to be one of those years, like it often is, where we had EHD outbreak. And the Mississippi deer uh, didn't bother any of them at all, or maybe a 1% mortality, whereas it knocked out about half of, of the Michigan deer. Half is a lie. <laughs> have, have we ever told you the story that a young Lanny Wallace oh God, here we go. left Tupelo, Mississippi in his pickup, in his Bronco, Bronco, headed to Startville to be a freshman, 
I think I've told and Russ the that. first thing he did wasn't go to his dorm room nope. or, or or ride through the campus and look uh-uh. at the football stuff. The first thing he did was go to the deer pens. Go to the deer pens. Yeah. And he, I think he got out and just wanted to see what they, those bucks look like through his scope. And somebody <laughs> ended up. I did not have a rifle <laughs> on me. <laughs> somebody ran them off? Yeah. Well, I actually didn't get run off. I walked all around the deer pen and looked in it. And it was great. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be right yeah, here. You're at home now. I'm at home. Yeah. yeah. No bulldog. I bet that ends up happening a lot, but not the first thing that they go to. That is the first thing I did, 100%. Hmm. Yep. Well, I mean, what else was I to do? Dudley, what was the first thing you did Second when you landed thing is in college? I found the well, uh, there's this thing called the statute of limitations, I hope. <laughs> I moved mine and my dad's guns into the dorm. I did the same thing. I had no idea that you couldn't do it. I put like 30 guns in the closet of my dorm room and... uh my, uh, I'm same way. The, I had every, I mean, thankfully, I the, the ER or whatever you call the, the RA at RA, the end of the hall yeah. was a, a, a big duck hunter. And we had been talking and hanging out, you know, maybe a couple months later. Uh, I actually invited him to go hunting with me at the duck camp. And, uh, he was helping me pack and came into my room and I grabbed a shotgun out of my closet. And he was like, Whoa, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> I had the same experience. I mean, I guess and so. I, was- I had, uh, I had to sneak them out and then take them. Yeah. I might have been the only apartment. person that got in trouble by the RA for blowing a duck call. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of stories about people skinning deer in the showers at uh, yeah, at, the, State. at the dorms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a week. It was, yeah. Deer lab, then dorm, then a beeline to the refuge. That's where I was. Okay, let's get back. Right, on track. Let's get back. On track. Enough of my college stories. What's the, what's Dudley's thing? are a lot more exciting than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, Dudley was in college a lot longer than that's true. Than most. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> How many mm. colleges did you attend? What had, what university in Mississippi did you not attend? Southern. There we go. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What is this thing called bullwinkle that you've got? I thought that was a moose. Yeah, that is something. Um, and I, I don't know if we've ever had a case in Mississippi, but, and, and y'all may remember this, it's probably been like 10 years ago. And I remember seeing it in uh, Quality Whitetails, the publication of QDMA, now, now NDA. Yeah. Um, but it seems like there's, uh, it happens every year, an instance or every other year. And uh, what it is, it's basically just a, a nasal infection. And it just causes the the muzzle of the deer to basically swell. So when you're looking at a deer where the eye cavity is and then it shrinks down to the nose, all of that area, that muzzle area, is just really, really inflamed. And so it and, and then it causes its nose to be really, really big and bulbous. Hmm. And so people just started calling it bullwinkle Makes syndrome. Makes sense now. Yeah. It's like Rocky Bullwinkle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those, I, I've never seen one in, in person before. I, I'm not even aware this ever happened in Mississippi, but it's one of those, again, that it gets a lot of social media play. Yeah, and you still, that meat would still be perfectly fine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. The Rocky Bullwinkle show was the first cartoon to come on on Saturday mornings when we yeah. were kids. And yeah. It was like at six o'clock. On broadcast TV. Yeah. yeah. That was that was a good cartoon. It was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Is that the was that the guy named Dudley that was sitting on the horse backwards? Dudley Do Right. Was that the same it, the, well, I think it was with a cartoon within that okay. show. Yeah. 
It was Rocky Bull. And that Bora, Boris and this Natasha. Yeah, yeah. Ah, they were they like that. Yeah, I yeah. That. that was good. <laughs> Todd can do a great Boris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we were getting well. Yeah, we're all we're all over today. All right, but the thing I'm taking away is anything that you've described it really doesn't affect the meat here at all. The the only exception would be uh, a brain abscess, hmm. and that that is something that. Um, probably well it kills it kills bucks every single year absolutely no question about it but it's probably less than five percent maybe a couple percent but there have been some studies and i believe it was in maryland or delaware i think maryland where for whatever reason and the the researchers didn't have a reason but it 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 was killing about 30 percent of the bucks every year so uh, a brain abscess is a combination of a bacteria and opportunity. And that is the reason it's nothing about the bacteria that affects bucks differently. It would affect a doe also. It's just that bucks, because of their antler cycle, growing, shedding, and then sparring and all that sort of stuff, is there's more opportunity to have open flesh mm-hmm. around the base, around the pedicle, etc. And then this bacteria, and there's several different ones, will get in there and and basically cause an infection. And a buck may live with that infection for years, and he may completely get over it. But if the infection gets bad enough, it literally will eat through the, the cranium, get into the brain cavity, and, and, and kill the buck. Coincidentally, that is also this phenomenon in the South where Lots of people call it different things, but commonly spike on a side. I got this big normal antler on the left side or the right side, and the other one is just a spike or oh, a fork. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever harvest one of those deers, it's kind of hard to see that with photos, but if you ever harvest one and get your hands on it, 99 times out of 100, I actually have a specimen I should have brought with me to show you. 99 times out of 100, when you look at the the, the antler base and the pedicle side by side, the one that is malformed, you can tell something's wrong with the pedicle. It'll be in a different location. It'll be shaped different. It'll be lower. It'll be high. Something is going on. And that is that bacteria interacting with the bone and the pedicle. And then it just uh, changes the platform or the foundation that that antler is growing out of. And so it's permanent huh. when that happens. So it's not genetic, but it is a, it's, it's a, you know, there was some type of tissue break, abrasion, cut. The bacteria got in there, affected the bone, and it forever will affect the shape of that antler. Hmm. And then, so that's the buck lived the rest of his life with a malformed antler. The worst case scenario is six months later, 18 months later, the infection persisted, got into its brain cavity, and killed the buck. And a lot of these videos that you'll see, we'll see more this fall and winter. Yeah, here they come. Sure. Of buck doing something crazy buck walking up to hunter mm-hmm. you know you said mm-hmm. buck circles and a lot of people say deer's got cwd it very well may have cwd it could also have a brain abscess going on so why wouldn't you eat the meat i think that's just because of systemic infection oh, okay so you literally Blood infection when i say infection i mean pockets of pus okay i'm out you can <laughs> you can smell the infection yeah and it's not so that and in the bloodstream yeah. yeah so that's in the just, nervous system and all of that so 
Nosler is known for their bullets, and now they're making suppressors. Nosler suppressors are made for hunting. Adding a Nosler suppressor to your rifle will make you a quieter, more accurate, and more effective hunter. Protect your hearing and disturb less game with a Nosler suppressor. The time to hunt quiet is now. Learn more at Nosler.com. The Furminator is the industry's most versatile piece of food plot equipment, allowing plotters to do every step of the process, working the soil, adding seed and soil supplements, and compacting. From start to finish, with a single implement, it's hassle-free by design. Set it for the seed size and simply drive the tractor, and the Furminator does the rest. Check it out at theferminator.com. Bobby, you'll have to, you know, I can't remember stuff. You always help me more than anything. Weren't we talking to the Foxworthy crew and they had a pedicle nor, um, uh, abnormality, uh, genetic pedicle abnormality in their deer herd? And I don't know what percentage of it, but about every year they would have a malformed pedicle that would grow into the interior of the brain. You ever heard of that? And and those deer were brought in from Wisconsin mm-hmm. and, they, and they tracked – that that same problem was occurring in the same part of Wisconsin where those deer were brought from. Pretty wild. Yeah. And they've even, we need to, we need to get some pictures of that because they've yeah. got skulls and harvests of them where they, it will show the pedicle actually growing down into the brain, the bone during, I guess during antler genesis. Or when it was growing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Him. Look at him. He's never seen that before. Please. I've never seen that. Yeah. I plead ignorance on that one. I, w- I would love to see that. Yeah, we'll have to get that. We'll have to dig that up. Yeah, a fair amount of their sheds were just real odd. Um, and but, but I mean, somebody came over there and studied them. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. I knew I remember. I didn't yeah. think I dreamed that up. No, that's it's right. always possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, you, you just, you, 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 when you said CWD, it, it, there's a couple of counties in Mississippi now where we're having some problems. Yeah. Are people, uh, is there something you need to tell people there about, I mean, it, 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 they need to treat their deer any differently? What do you, what's the recommendation there? What's the well, latest the, and greatest? The, yeah. the single best recommendation is, um, is to turn in your samples. And MDWFMP makes it very, very easy. You don't need to, to be a nerd like me and actually get the sample. Uh, all you have to do is cut off the head mm-hmm. and uh, they have a list on their website of all these drop-off locations. All they ask you to do is take the, the severed head. You're going to put it in a bag. You're going to uh, put a label on it. And then about once a week, people are going to pick those up. Biologists are going to pick them up. They're going to take the samples out and they will let you know if it was positive or negative. What if it's a big buck and I don't want to give you my hit, the hit? Can I cut the antlers off? And give you the head or work, work through your taxidermist if that's where it's going. And MDWFMP has lots of relationships with taxidermists where they know how to get that sample for you. So what would be, I I know you don't, it's not finite, but what would be a typical turnaround time for once they pick up the samples to let you know if you had a problem? I'm going to drop a, it depends on you, Lanny. No, here's why. Here's why. Those guys are all on a rotation. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to every one of those freezers, you know, about once a week. So it it just may happen that in Chickasaw County, they come on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were to go by and drop your deer head off on Monday, they get it up and then they get it back down to Jackson. And so you'll have a quicker turnaround versus we picked up on Tuesday. I dropped it off on Wednesday you're going to have about another four or five day. So generally, I think they say 
you know, eight to, to 14 days. Oh, that's not bad. Term I mean, because we're hanging ours for three weeks anyway. So. Oh, yeah. Situation so, like that, yeah. you're perfect. Good, good. So, Bronson, as a, a as a guy with tentacles going into the scientific the community all over, everywhere. I mean, you if there was a word stronger than doctor that that meant next level doctor, that'd be him. That would be, that would be Bronson. <laughs> That's him. And super doc, yeah, super doc, super that doc, I like super that. deer doc. Yeah, we used to call him Doctor Know It All, but now he's super super doc. deer doc <laughs> knows all. <laughs> My question is, so if uh, somebody's listening to this in another state that doesn't have CWD issues, but they encounter a deer that's acting funny or maybe emaciated or some some odd condition, what, what do they who do they, do they call their deer? I'm asking what you suggest people do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you suggest they do? Uh, you hit the nail on the head. You call your state wildlife agency, your DNR, your MDWFMP, you know, your, your state wildlife agency. Uh, they want to know that. And uh, they'll they will assess the situation. You might get uh, an expert, a conservation officer, or a biologist that knows immediately what is going on and can tell them. Or they may, if it's something worrisome, they may want to collect or harvest the deer and take biological samples for testing. Yeah. So if you see something, say something. Is yeah. Say something. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Talk and to your you, local game wardens. I mean, and you're better off to say something before you do something. And by doing something, I mean lethally doing something. Nah, I've had some experiences like that, and I'll tell you what to do. Yeah, yeah, pretty quick too. No, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just like to point out, guys, like our these state agencies, they are they are trying to help us, and and, and oftentimes on these, you, I, I do see things and hear that you know people make comments and they feel like that it's like a conspiracy and no lot of they're not out I mean, they're not they're not no, they're trying no. to help and they're we need to, to give protect them the resource i mean that's why i think the name warden i mean is a great term for them because that's what they're doing they're guardrailing the resource yeah, yeah. so uh, i'm just hoping guys will be supportive of that comment and not buy into the any conspiracy theories they hear at the fire pit please don't yeah, yeah let's don't get yeah. there all right. What, what else? There, I, I, looks like there's one more. Yeah. Here's one that's confusing a lot is that so you get the deer, whether it's on its back and you're field dressing it or you're hanging it up mm-hmm. and in the belly, that white hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get your knife on there and, you know, you're getting the knife under the skin and, and all of a sudden you got these creepy crawlies on your hands or you see them going across the white fur Mm -hmm. and everybody, including me years ago, before I knew the difference, you think ticks because it just, it looks like ticks moving all over. And sometimes it'll be a couple and sometimes you'll see 30, 40, 50 of them. And, uh, that is, that is actually a a fly, a louse fly. And it's called a kid. And what is that? That's part of also its growth cycle where it had been a fly in the past with wings, but now it's ending its life cycle. It lands on the deer, kind of makes a home in the in, in its fur. Oh, yeah. It sheds its wings, and then it uh, starts its reproductive cycle right there. Then it'll lay its eggs, and then they grow, and then they'll leave and go turn into a fly, and then start that whole cycle again. But 90 times, 99 times out of 100, or even more than that when I'm with somebody... And they'll have the little creepy crawlies going on the on the belly of a deer. They think, man, it's eaten up with ticks, and and it's not. It's just the life cycle of a of a louse fly. Seen that a lot in called a cad. Lot yeah. in both seasons. Mm-hmm. Seen that a lot. Is louse and lice? 
that a plural? Is Laos yes. plural of, of lice? Believe so. Got a lot of laughs because we had to de lice. Uh, I was going to say time. the same thing about you, Bobby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, we had fleas in here, Bronson. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, don't want you to panic, but where you're sitting, we had a, a flea problem when we traced it back to Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> fleas and bed bugs, but don't worry about it, huh? Yeah. Wow. I tell you what, there's a, a, a deer is a host to a lot of different uh, yeah. abnormalities. What about, um, I mean, you know, I I'm, I'm saw a piebald deer last year that was almost mm. all white. That's always intriguing to me. And you see, you know, you know, I guess that's just a, I mean, is that like albinoism? Is it just genetic? Is it just a rarity? Yeah, yeah, it, it is a rarity. There's no doubt about it. So if it, it's not an albino. An mm-hmm. albino, a complete and total albino, is completely white, no pigmentation whatsoever. Uh, piebald, and I'm probably not the best person to ask about this because I'm not a geneticist mm-hmm. and it's, it's a g- genetic characteristic. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I know, that there are degrees of it. And extreme, if you're in the disease book of a piebald, is its face will look different. It has this big Roman-type nose. It can have curvature of the spine. It's typically going to be a lot smaller, and it's typically not going to live long. That is your classical piebald. Obviously, though, if you live long enough and hunt long enough, you're also just going to see some deer that look completely normal completely normal in terms of the spine and the face and all that, but they have some white, white sp- some them. white patches yeah, on them. Yeah. And so my only knowledge about that is um, partial or to some degree, you know, it's a piebald, but it's not a full classical true piebald. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder where the word piebald came. Is that like some Latin know. term or, or something? I'll ask old Google and see what's You're up. Throwing some zingers my way. Yeah, it's just, it's just an know. odd word, piebald. Yeah, so is lucism the scientific term for piebald? Hmm. Google. <laughs> Google. The Google. Well, so there's a guy in, in Tennessee. I showed yeah, you a picture of him. Yeah, it's a really big deer, big Pie antlers. And, yeah. uh, you know, just. Uh, it doesn't look like your typical piebald. Right, right. So I would say, yeah, that that's kind of the example of there's, uh, it has some of the piebald characteristics, but it's not a true piebald. What about a, I mean, uh, and I get albino. What a, is there, a, have you ever heard of, seen of, come across a case of, not in, in person, of a, of a totally black deer? There's actually, yeah, so kind of the same phenomenon about uh, expression of pigment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's called the a, a melanistic mm-hmm. phase. And uh, it's very, very rare, but there are some populations to where it is far more prevalent mm-hmm. within that population. And the, the years I was living in Texas in, in graduate school, there was a, a population, I can't, I think it was in the Hill Country area. But way above average. I'm not going to say it was every single deer, but you would commonly see those black or dark uh, deer in that population. Hmm. So, again, it's just a genetic trait. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Might have been what you saw that you I, think you saw. No, I know what I saw. <laughs> Don't make no mistake about that. You know, Bronson, there's been there's uh, a long tailed cat was reported over just on the in Lowndes County, Mississippi, Caledonia, a, a few weeks ago, and 
This could be a rumor, but I'm told Game Warns went over there and checked it out. I don't know what they... It's a mountain lion. Yeah, I think that's what the, they said. The photos I saw were incredibly convincing. And it was a it was But a what was so line, weird though. was that you... Not you, a Black Panther. Yeah. No, it you, wasn't, wasn't black. You didn't hear anything about it afterwards. No, and then all the all the locals around there was like, oh, yeah, he's over here in Joe Bo's uh, pasture over there the other day. <laughs> Richie mm. knows somewhere around there. You would think that you would, you know, Mr. State, y'all would go investigate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you have some free time, Bronson? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I didn't hear anything about it. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. have the photos... Please send no, them to uh, me. Yeah, I think we got them somewhere. We'll loop you in. Yeah. We're in the know. You are in the be, know. You know. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, Wasn't you. it like the principal of some high school or something's wife yeah, or Max, husband or somebody uh, took photos of it? The Max school bus driver's <laughs> principal or something like that. Or the school bus driver or something like school that. school bus driver took the picture. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was in the yard of the like, a, a principal at one of the, like, Columbus Christian Academy or something like that. Yeah, heritage, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe heritage. Yeah, that's probably. And so it was not a trail cam photo. It was a. It was photograph a f- somebody's phone. phone, and it was wide angle and far and away. A but it line. it really looked like a mountain lion. It, it did not look line. like a cat in the distance. No. Yeah, it was very convincing. So, so, we, so gotta Ross, look, we gotta follow up on that. Let me ask you this. So it, it, you're a, a super smart guy, although there's things we're c- becoming to love, aware of that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> but when you see, uh, when you're looking at deer, are there things that you kind of key into that would help you know if that deer is, is healthy and the habitat is in good shape? Or if you see ribs, does that cause you yes. concern? Or is that, yes. is that is that one of the first things you look at? or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just the, the, the body composition. Uh, it, you've probably heard livestock people say this, you know, it, it looks fat and slick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the coat, the oh, pelt yeah. looks, looks really slick. So, you know, um, typically that um, symmetry with the antlers, you know, but if, if you have a, a good looking body, no ribs, no hip bones. Um, and of, and of course, if you have a big set of antlers, those are all indicators that that buck has gotten everything it needs, mm. habitat wise and food wise. Mm. Yeah. Well, I've you know I'm just kept watching these does and just just trying to. And some are so much bigger than other ones, but and, and occasionally you'll see one, and you, boy, especially if they've got nursing fawns, you, you'll boy they look they just look run down. So yeah. speak. Well, the drought this year, too, I think a lot of the deer we're looking at, you know. Or, I didn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did not help. I've got a doe that's got triplets, mm. and she does not look run down at all. She is, like you're saying, slick. All that and BCP fa- she's I, I guess, but I, I am just amazed. <laughs> we post. They posted a picture a few weeks ago of last week uh, on Gamekeeper Instagram of her out in a, pl- a plot and the, oh, the, and those t- and two ran and started ner- I mean this so this is latter October when this occurred and then the third one is is coming in but you, you can tell she looks really good there I was just shocked to see him nursing that late yeah I was mean she- it was almost November it may have been November when I took yeah it was seems like yeah it's it just it was last week or she had but, those late. Yeah, she, she had them late. But yeah. she looks so good. I'm just amazed. She might have well, that second row. It's all your habitat work. Good Bobby. for yeah. your habitat management. There, there. you go. Mm-hmm. You're, I don't know. I wish I could say that. You might be a gamekeeper one day. I wish <laughs> I could say that. But she she just, but she is, uh, she's like a mule. 
And, and some mothers are just good at it, whether it's physiologically, whether it's uh, greater milk production, whether it be their social status and they occupy better habitat and have better fawning cover. You know, that's something we're learning more and more. And I, I think it's showing this with turkey research as well. There was a study with uh, deer research and does is there, there's a lot of repeatability successful moms are typically successful moms again and again. Unsuccessful moms are typically unsuccessful That's moms. what we're hearing in the turkey world, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Good mamas. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So she sounds like a good one. Yeah. Keep so, her around. so I've kind of earmarked her like I, don't I, I don't her. want to shoot her. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Hmm. Well, gosh, uh, what, what, do we, what do we not ask that we need to be asking? Well, I mean, we did what? roughly. I mean, and I don't know if we want. To, we talked about it before the podcast started. This there's Drury's had this post on dwarf deer. It was kind of interesting. I want, was that were they joking? Or was I that, don't know. No, but I mean, look at all those commenters yeah, that came in of, with a bunch of photos of dwarf. Yeah, got the, the miniature deer social page on Facebook and check it out. It's interesting. I'm the first I've ever seen of it. And Jeron was like, "What?" Too so it so, it kind of reminds me of what we were just talking about with the. Piebald thing. Yeah, like, it just um, could be a and, genetic and thing. In fact, I think a couple of the photos in the comments were piebalds. Yeah, but they that, that's true. Had shorter legs, like you said, that real rounded looking nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that has something to do with it. Well, I mean, in gene- I mean, just looking at humans, some are bigger than others. Sure. Was that, could that have been a key deer? One I'm, the one that they had posted was in Florida, but just running through the comments, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time in it. There was, there's, you know, pictures from all over the country of people claiming that there were dwarfs, dwarf deer. And then you've also got, you know, occasionally you'll see a photo floating around of a of a buck that's like just incredibly overweight. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Like that one by yeah, like, the old pork chop. I mean, just re- really overweight. Yeah, I have seen that too, and I, and I wonder if that's real or been photoshopped because you know. Cleveland over here can Photoshop anything. He's made me <laughs> quit believing images. Yeah. Well, it's getting worse. So seriously, though, with all that AI stuff on social media, you'll be scrolling around and you're like, "No way, that's real." Mm. That's yeah. Well, well, Bronson, we, we've uh, we'd love to talk to you about the, the study y'all did about betting, but we, should we do that as a yeah, do, as another, another podcast and get you back over here? And that was super interesting to me. Yeah. And uh, we're still doing some more stuff with that. Why don't you give us a little more time to run some more numbers on that? And we could, you could devote a full episode just to that. I can't wait because just looking at that visual data was just extremely interesting. Pretty eye-opening. Yeah, pretty eye-opening. really mm-hmm. is. So check it out. It's on the Deer Lab social site. Mm-hmm. Yes. Check it out yeah. for sure. Well, look, Bronson, normally we, at this point, we ask you a trivia question. But I think I, I think you may have a trivia question for us. If I'm Whoa. Oh, wait. Hold up. But let me get my computer out. Let me, let me connect to the internet. Hold on just a second. So we is the co- dial-up working? This, uh, the <laughs> dial-up is working, I think. Uh, yeah. So, uh, He's got his pencil out, too. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We call this uh, – this segment is brought to you by our friends at Sheffield Financial because – I mean, financing is not trivial. And that it is not. <laughs> and they're they're great people. They're they're financing ATVs and LS uh, tractors. LS tractors. Yep. Probably get your Matthews Bow financed hey, if maybe. you wanted to. Yeah. So, there you but go. Uh, they're great folks. There's fourteen thousand offices, so you can find a Sheffield office near you Good somewhere. Grief. That's, a, lo- that's, that's a, a lot. That's a lot of offices. It is. It is. 
Cool. So with that out of the way, because Richie's not here to help us with it, uh, Bronson, what? Shoot, here we go. All right. Oh, and what do we get, Bronson? We always <laughs> we, we, we get always, to pick something out of Bobby's closet. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go to Toxie's gun safe. Oh. oh. That's pretty yeah. serious. He's trying to get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So who's answering this? Or is this going to be a group effort? Let's do a group. Uh, okay. Yeah, a group. Um, I've, I've I've got some softballs, and then I might have to come with a kind hard fastball here. What is North America's oldest conservation organization? The very first conservation organization in North America. I think I. Have I it. think I know it, but do you think you know it? Is it two letters with an and in between? It, it? It, I think it's, so. It's my initials. Yeah, it's Bobby and Cole, <laughs> <laughs> the Boone and Crockett Club. Yeah, Boone and yeah, Crockett Club. Yeah, yeah that's I, very exactly Teddy right. was yeah. a what a great. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for trophy hunting, a lot of this we wouldn't have a lot of this. Oh, here Y'all you get go, on me Mr. about Mr. antlers. Oh, it's all about you get horns. on me about antlers, but but it was people wanting to see what those big mature animals. Sure. Oh, and look, there's nothing. That's I right. know we talk They're, about all They also focus on ethics a lot. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Still, and Fair they chase. do a lot of conservation work. Fair chase, they do. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. We're all right. There's a home. there's an organization called the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Fund. TRCP. I should know that, but, but uh, it's, on Instagram. Know that. <laughs> it's on Instagram. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll probably edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, uh, a a process, a phenomenon called multiple paternity with lots of critters, but within white-tailed deer, multiple paternity uh-huh. means that the offspring of a doe, pregnant doe, have different fathers. Hmm. So if it's Bobby's triplets over there, you know, one or two of those have a different father than the other one. On the average, from the sampling we've done in Mississippi, what proportion of does have multiple paternity of their fawns? Ooh, that's a pretty tough question. Hmm. I'm going to just, uh, hmm. You going, you going right down the middle? I was going to say just split it down the middle, but... Uh, they don't always have twins, so yeah, right. that's cutting into the numbers. A Is that a bit. percentage of twins? Yeah, yeah. we're assuming twins. Okay, for that number, right? Oh, this is a good question. I don't know the answer to it, but I'm excited to know the answer. <clears throat> I don't think it's a high percentage. You don't? I think it's a high percentage. I don't think he'd asked if it hadn't been a high percentage. I think we have so many deer. There's not enough time to get around. To I think we got so many deer. They all get around pretty good. <laughs> I'm gonna say seventy five percent. That's a little high. Ah, I was I was thinking thirty five percent. I'm sticking with fifty. Bobby Cole, twenty five. Twenty five percent. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That? Last one. Let's go to some small game now. Ooh. What I'm trying to think of whether to ask y'all the the country term or the technical term country, here for sure. Okay. Well, I don't know. Dudley might want the technical term. So we were talking a lot about parasites with with deer, uh, rabbits, and especially squirrels. I think I know where you're going. Have this thing called cutaneous warbles. Mm-hmm. What's the country term for that? One, two, three, wolves. wolves. <laughs> and did they really go away when the first frost hits? 
That's what my daddy always That's said. That's what I always heard, too. <laughs> mm. And it's spelled. W-L-V-E-S. Doesn't it, isn't it spelled with a U? Where I have seen it was W-L-V-E-S. Mm. Okay. Mm. But I don't know if that. Have you ever right seen enough. one? Yeah. Oh, I don't they're know gross. That I, I, don't I don't know remember. that I have. I don't know that I have either. I've always been scared of them my whole life. I don't know. We if used I've to see them on rabbits all the time Did when you? we were cleaning rabbits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, uh, we would just. I like this reverse really trivia. This is me. good. Yeah, and I like that he didn't stump us. Yeah, he could days. really smoked us if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, was there? A, where was this hard hive one? Where was that one? That, that I didn't know the paternal thing. That's pretty. Oh, well, oh, yeah. that, that was an it depends too. Because yeah. I mean, we we could have. Th- hey, look, while I'm here, while, while he's looking at so the, up get to his, work on my honorary masters. Uh, we'll do. That was we'll to get back to the office. That group is called the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, That's TRCP, it. and they do some really interesting things to preserve our hunting and fishing heritage. Oh, nice! And, and but that one guy started all this, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, Teddy, I mean, no. he was a tough son of a gun. He paved the road. You know, really Bronson, he got shot one time mm-hmm. and would not, and kept going on with it. Got shot, giving a speech, and wouldn't let him take him away. Or got shot on the way to the speech and got up and gave his speech, and people could see that he was bleeding. That's a tough fellow. He was tough as nails. And I think he did like a bunch of stuff on the Grand Canyon. I mean, he went all over the place. Oh, yeah. Was the, was he it? was an adventurer, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he was. Well, he, he was the one that noticed. I mean, the, the timing was ripe. Uh, there, there was a crisis, but simultaneously is that – there was no public land. So all, all this really came together with the Boone and Crockett Club and protecting land and then coming up with a land ethic and fair chase. But basically, all these animals are gone or going away, You know, moving from east to west, mm-hmm. about to have a complete collapse of bison, another big game. And then simultaneously, now we're populating the western U.S., and we we don't have these these large areas. Yeah. There's no protection. So it was the era of exploitation. There were no game laws back then. So we're losing habitat. There's no there's market hunting for the animals. And so he was the one. And luckily he was at a place of influence. No he doubt. had a voice, and he could step in there. And he was like Bobby. He's a mover and shaker. He knows people get things going. And that is what started the Boone and Crockett Club was conservation. Yeah. The North American model for conservation. Mm-hmm. So, hey, hey, I tell you what, there's, there's nowhere else in the world. You know, and I've also read that uh, like Niagara Falls kind of got turned into a tourist trap early on and that people were making fun. Europeans were making fun of, of America for the way that we treated Niagara Falls back then. And so that was a big influence to to preserve these big chunks like Yellowstone yeah. and some of these other parks, but not make them set like tourist traps, right. make mm-hmm. them an experience. Yeah. And uh, so, so he just a lot of wisdom there, a Absolutely. lot of foresight and, and multiple people, but I think he kind of led the charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that really started the conservation movement because it wasn't just about protection of land. It was conservation of land. Right. Conservation is wise use. Right. It's management. It means we can utilize the land, but do so wisely and sustainably. And that's what started the movement. And then what the funding came for the uh, Brown-Pittman or Pittman-Robertson Act? Pittman-Robertson Act. Pittman-Robertson Act mm-hmm. kicked in with mm-hmm. the funding from license 1937. sales. 1937. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Otherwise, we wouldn't have a job, fellas. <laughs> Probably That's the so. truth. Yeah. Dang. Bronson, this has been uh, this has been fun. It always awesome. is whenever always you come Always great over. to have you here, Bronson. No doubt about it. Doctor Bronson Strickland, Home Mississippi boy. State University. Right. <laughs> uh, people can follow the MSU Deer Lab. You guys yeah. put out a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got a podcast. Follow them on social. Yeah, we stuff. just uh, did an episode. It landed last week or this week. I can't remember. Landed. Um, yeah. yeah, is that what it's called? Term. I don't know. I'm just he's no, so hip. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was recently uploaded. How about that? Okay. But 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 regarding uh, drought, drought and food plots, and so we wow. had an, an agronomy expert with Mississippi State with the Extension Service that does a lot of research with <gasps> uh, with cover crops. He also hunts, hey. and so he really gets into the food plot stuff, but. He, he really talked us through a, about what is going on here uh, in the South and uh, what to expect, what can you do to be proactive. So that was a that was a really good episode for uh, We need to listen to that. We'll sure yeah. 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 We and got- he just killed like a 190 inch booner in Kansas. Too. I'm not even listening to him then. I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. a boon in Crockett. That's 190 correct. inch. Uh, he may it may be two hundred, including non tip. What did it weigh? Do you know that? Uh, <laughs> was it two hundred twenty-two? Because that's kind of what I'm keying in on. Oh, right, yeah. Weight two hundred and fifty-four <laughs> pounds. How about that? Yeah. Wow. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that I'm jealous already, and I don't even know who this is. Or I hadn't seen the deer. But well, he's a good guy. Inch deer. We're gonna have to listen mm-hmm. to find out. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Good. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting how deer? You know. I somebody shows me a picture of a deer they kill, and I'm I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But I'm like, yeah, I'd love. I mean, yeah, it's not as a bad lo- as turkeys. You know what do they say when when your buddy kills a turkey, you're ninety ten percent happy for him and ninety percent jealous of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the case with whitetails too. But maybe it's like an eighty twenty instead of a ninety ten. I don't know. I- I am truly happy for people, but I oh, always like, man, I wish I could have gone. Yeah. That would have been a great yeah. trip. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bronson, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, always enjoy you being very here. Very welcome. Your questions Enjoyed were it. good, and uh, hopefully our questions back to you. We appreciate everybody listening. Yes, we do. Uh, we, we certainly do. Check out the television show on Tuesday nights. Uh, Bronson, you still don't have cable, so I know you hadn't done that, but you can stream it with the mm-hmm. Friendly app if you'll do that. And everybody else listening, it's pretty easy and fun to watch. I think. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll be back. Ne- Thanksgiving's coming up, so uh, we'll probably miss everybody for one week. But- yeah, we should have several more blood on the biologics when we get back, though. Yeah. We're and going I- on Doe Patrol around here, so get ready. Good stories, I hope. So, yeah. Cleveland, thank you for stepping in in Richie's uh, absence. Uh, Good luck to Mac and Richie on the road. Y'all travel safe. Hope they kill a big deer. Yeah, so we could be jealous of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Cleve. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.